Hello, everybody, and welcome to another, in fact, not just another, but the 80th of our financial well-being podcasts. My name is David Lloyd, uh, as it always is, and I'm here with two other people whose names are exactly the same as they always have been since we started doing this podcast. And the first one of them over there at Bud Towers is... Chris Bud, yes. Hello, David. Hello, Tomo. Do you know, I've just come back recently from a week's holiday in Scotland, in the Argyle Coast. You guys ever been to Scotland? Uh, many times. Indeed, yeah. So big shout out for the west coast of Scotland. Absolutely mm. stunningly beautiful area, it isn't really it? Is, isn't it really is. It really is. It's gorgeous. It is and gorgeous. And we, um, we saw a game of shinty. Now, that's nuts, that is. I don't know if you've ever watched a game of shinty. It's basically it's like, running around with a big club. <laughs> that's right. It's like hockey where you hit each other or something, isn't it? <laughs> it seemed to be. I mean, very skillful and all that. Oh, my God, those guys are brave. The, the goalkeepers don't seem to wear any protection. And at one point, he just kind of flung himself in front of this ball and the sound of it hitting his spare thighs reverberated around the island. Oh. So that's Chris Budd from the Scottish Tourist Board. And uh, Tom Morris, which country are you going to be representing today? I'll, I'll represent England and I'll represent the Think Twice Before You Have Another Child Brigade. Um, <laughs> I love my children dearly, but uh, some listeners may know that my second child is 13 months old. And last night was one of those nights. And parents will know what I mean. So I, I've had a few coffees. So I'm. I'm going to be good today, but it's a good job of recording this in the morning, not a little later in the afternoon, because I think I'll need a nap. Well, I've got a couple of guys here fitting a, a wardrobe, a sort of made-to-measure wardrobe in my bedroom. So, A, if there's any little hammering or banging you hear in the background, apologies. But also, one of them, Charlie, uh, his wife had a baby last week, so I don't think he got any sleep last mm. night. He turned up looking like death, but I think he was quite pleased to come to work to get away from it all. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that feeling all too well. Do you know what? Just about having banging noises in the background, one of the things I've loved about lockdown and everybody moving to doing meetings on Zoom is the standards of professionalism in the UK have dropped considerably and nobody cares. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> if your dog comes in front of your camera, everyone just, oh, look, cute dog. It's all OK. I know we're much more relaxed, aren't we, about just letting people into our home and doing all that. I must share something with you, gentlemen, actually, and with our wider listening audience, which is that I've been quite poorly recently. I got COVID about a month ago. Oh, dear. Um, and I've been double jabbed. So fortunately, I didn't have any respiratory issues. But I have been as ill as I think I've ever been for about a week, week and a half. I was I had absolutely no energy whatsoever. My brain fog, which is pretty foggy a, a lot of the time anyway, was just terrible. I could not focus on anything. And I was just sleeping all the time. It was really horrible and really weird. So for anybody out there who's thinking, oh, maybe I won't get jabbed, get jabbed, because if you do get COVID, I promise you, you will not like it at all. Wise words, mate. Wise words. I hope you're all better now. I am 85%, I would say, gradually getting better. But, you know, it's been a longer road to recovery than I hoped it might. But uh, my, my lovely partner, Gail, who is a doctor, so she knows this stuff. In fact, arguably, she knows too much about this stuff, has been very insistent that I've taken it easy so fortunately at the time we're recording this is uh, in uh, november my my covid has coincided exactly with the t20 world <laughs> cricket cup <laughs> so i have been given an absolute card to lie on the sofa and watch cricket all day which i have done and enjoyed it very much up until yesterday 
So getting um, getting COVID hasn't changed your life a great deal then, David? <laughs> well, if only, that, <laughs> if only that were true, Chris. If only that were true. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into doing stuff again, and that's really, really good. So enough of uh, me and my woes and, uh, and Tomo's baby woes, and Chris doesn't appear to have any woes today, actually. What are we talking about on the podcast today, Chris? So today, David, we are going to look at a load of practical money tips for young people, but which are also very relevant for their parents. Because we're going to ask ourselves the question, if you could go back in time and give your 18-year-old self a financial tip, what would it be? Especially given what we've been learning about the relationship between money and happiness, we're particularly looking at that angle on it. So we've got 10 tips to pass on and a load of pithy advice and uh, some funny, some serious, taken from our listeners, many of whom are themselves financial planners. Yeah, looking forward to this one. You you asked us to do a little bit of homework on this. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to sharing that with you in a while. But before we do, let's have the first of our features. And this is a relatively new feature, No Shizzle Sherlock, in which we listen to the words of wisdom from a financial or investment guru and wonder whether this is indeed insightful and meaningful advice or whether it's coming from the land of the bleeding obvious. So, uh, Tomo, what is today's motivational bon mot? Oh, no. Good word. It's sort of, you know, uh, useful expression, I think, is the phrase we're looking for here. What an educational podcast this is. Honestly, every day's a school day. Um, Okay, so the quote is, how many millionaires do you know who have become wealthy by investing in savings accounts? And this was from Robert G. Allen, who is an author of a number of books about how to become wealthy. Well, this sounds sensible to me. He seems to be saying that you need to take some risk with your money if you want to become wealthy, which I guess sounds sensible. So I'd like to take this one first, if I may, because my issue isn't so much about investment, but an attitude to money that comes out from this. Um, I confess I haven't read his books. To be honest, the titles rather put me off. The One Minute Millionaire and How to Go from Broke to Bank in 90 Days. I'm actually going to advance um, one of our features here and say, I've got a tight-ass Tomo tip, How to Get Rich Quick write a book called How to Get Rich Quick. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's loads of wisdom and advice in these Mm -hmm. books, but there does seem to be an assumption that money equals success and success equals money, which isn't what we're all about on this podcast at all. Uh, We've been looking at all the research about money, which shows a focus on money will actually make you less happy. Yeah, fair point. But presumably, if someone wants to learn how to use their money to be happy, people listen to this podcast, but if they want to become wealthy they should buy uh, Robert Allen's books, Horses for Courses and all that. Yeah, very true. I'm fine with that. But the argument that you need to take risk with your money to become wealthy makes so many assumptions. What is wealthy, for example, will be different for everyone. One of the five planks of financial well-being is that a clear path to identifiable objectives. So work out what you want for life, then work out how much that might cost. Only then do you know whether you take risk with your investments, or perhaps more to the point, how much of your investments you need to take risk with. There is some truth in what he says, though. Cash in the bank, especially when you take into account inflation, can actually lose you money over time. If we think about how low interest rates are at the moment versus inflation, which is far higher than those interest rates you get from the bank. So no one looking to grow their investments should keep their money in the bank. And some kind of diversified investment portfolio is almost always going to be best. However, I do caveat having some form of emergency buffer in cash is is helpful as as well. I'm not saying that somebody should not have cash, but long term, if you're looking to grow your money, investments, there is some sense in what he's saying. 
Excellent. So having listened carefully to you two financial experts, it sounds like uh, this one doesn't get the no shizzle Sherlock treatment, but neither is it entirely without merit. So well done, Robert G. Allen. You've just scraped through. I'm I'm sure I'd be very relieved to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) He'll he'll, he'll breathe a huge sigh of relief as he sits on his throne made of $50 bills. (laughs) Right, let's go on to the next of our features, the ever-favourite tight-ass Tomo. You know what this one is all about. It's our expert, Tom Morris, comes up with a really, really useful tip about how you can save money by being mean. Uh, Chris, have you got anything for today? No, we've got a long podcast today, so I'll hand straight on to you guys, actually. Excellent. Well, now I'll pass on this one as well. So, Tomo, let's go straight to the main event. So, I've, <laughs> I've got one. Um, that I completely forgot how tight it was until it was pointed out to me recently. So I, I was very fortunate enough to, to go away on a little golf trip um, with with a few friends. And uh, I turned up on the first tee wearing a, wearing a T-shirt from a, a, a well-known golf brand. And I got this T-shirt from my cousin who works for well-known golf brand. Because I, I can I can get you some free some free kit. I'll send it in the post to you. Well, this free kit is that where something's gone wrong with it, where there's been a stitching issue. You know, it's it, it's, the, it's the go-backs. But I say, oh, yeah, sure. It's good kit. Expensive if you buy it, buy it from the shop and it's all in good nick. Anyway, I've forgotten what it actually said on this. So a lot of golf t-shirts, they have like the club name. And maybe with this one, it was actually, it was a, a staff member. And what it should have said was such and such golf course, deputy course manager, because that was their role. No, no. Deputy Kaus manager. <laughs> C-O-U-S-E. So I walk around quite nonchalantly forgetting about this shirt, wearing this knockoff misspelled T-shirt because I got it for free. And my mates just couldn't believe that I would, would have the front to wear it. But there you go. And presumably this was from a golf club that you weren't even a member of as well. No, I don't know what it is, where it's from, but <laughs> you know what? It was free and I am the deputy house manager there. Fantastic. Well, it's interesting. I used to play a lot of golf, but I haven't played for about five years now for a variety of reasons. Uh, and the thing that astonishes me is that you're allowed to wear a T-shirt on a golf course because back in the day, you know, polo shirt is a bare minimum. Uh, so obviously standards have slipped. Well, I wouldn't, uh, from my experience, I don't think that reflects all golf courses, David. No. If in doubt, wear a polo shirt, because apparently we're still in the 1980s, but there you go. You might just be interested, guys. Um, just while Tom was talking, I've just looked up the word cows. And it is actually, according to the Urban Dictionary, a cat crossed with a mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Tomo, that sums you up perfectly. (laughs) So maybe you are actually the deputy cows manager of that golf course. You never know. Maybe, honestly, I I will continue to wear it. I just forgot that it was that bad. But there you go. Brilliant. I know quite a few more like that in the the drawer as well. Free misprinted gear. That's the way forward for me. Thank you, Tomo. So, Chris, why don't you introduce our subject for today? Okay, so over the last few years, there's been a real growth in money bloggers. There's loads of money advice sites by young people for young people. Young bloggers and influencers, listen to me trying to use the language, dispensing money tips, lots of so-called money experts on platforms like TikTok. And what is, chaps, the one thing that these bloggers have in common? 
Well, they're all younger than us, I bet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. speak for yourself. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> I think, millennial. Yeah, I think they might even be younger than you these days, Tom. Yeah, I think you might be right. It's quite depressing, <laughs> isn't it? That's only a lot younger than us, David. Well, this got me got me thinking. Um, some of the so-called advice that's been given by some of these places are that uh, they are tainted by the fact they're actually flogging apps and various things. So uh, I thought, it, uh, why don't we offer young people some advice from people who have a few years from which to look back with perspective on mistakes that they may have made? Yeah, and I'm sure they will listen with relish and do everything <laughs> that we say. So this is more like a, we've made the mistakes so that you don't have to. Exactly. I thought it would be interesting to consider what advice we would give our younger selves as we were to meet them at, say, 18. Now that we know what we do about the theory of financial well-being, about the relationship between money and happiness, are there any tips we would like to send back in time? Now, I've really enjoyed doing this. You prompted Tomo and me to come up with a few tips. And we've also got some from our marvellous listeners, which we will sprinkle throughout. And one of the things that, that struck me about this particularly is how the three of us are in different stages of life. Tomo has uh, young children, as we've just heard, and a burgeoning career. Chris has children leaving school, soon to be an empty nester and is, I think it's fair to say, a well-established businessman. And I'm still working, but sliding delightfully into retirement. So I wonder if we'll each have a, a different perspective on our 18-year-old selves. I'll be honest, at least I've got a reasonable chance of remembering my 18-year-old self. <laughs> is that supposed to be amusing, Morris? Because quite frankly... <laughs> there might be a few of these sprinkled in. Oh, quite frankly, wonderful. I find that completely... No, I can remember myself really clearly at 18. When I was 18, I knew it all. I absolutely knew it all. I was a grown-up, I was an adult. I'd got a complete handle on life. And I've spent all of the intervening years since then proving myself wrong. <laughs> what were the chances of what were the chances of your 18-year-old self receiving this message that you're sending back and actually taking any action on it? Oh no, I'd go, you don't need to tell me that, old man. <laughs> right, Chris, why don't you go first? Okay. So my first tip to myself when I was 18 would be about my choice of career and university degree. So when I was in sixth form, I think like a lot of 18-year-olds, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I certainly didn't have a clue really what I wanted to do with my degree. So because uh, I wanted to go to university, but I didn't know what to study. So I go to my teachers and my parents and they all asked me the same question. They said, well, what are you good at? And at the time, the A-levels I was doing was maths. I can't even can't believe that I did maths at A-level. I was terrible at it. Maths, chemistry, and economics were my three A-levels. And of those three, I was probably best at economics. My dad wanted me to be an accountant because he saw that's where the money was. So he was trying to get me to do an accountancy degree. I didn't want to do that, so I did an economics degree instead and absolutely hated it. I really hated economics. I still do because it's just built on so many flawed principles. And actually, if I go back, the message I would give my 18-year-old self is not, what are you good at, but what do you enjoy? Because if I had done that, I probably would have done English literature or maybe a journalist degree, and my career would have been completely different. Now, I've really enjoyed my career. I've had a lot of joy from the career that I chose, but I would really look back and I would love to have tried, tried to find out if I could have done something different. So that would be my tip at 18. Do consider what you enjoy, not just what's going to make you money and be a good career. 
Now, I think that's great advice, Chris. And uh, obviously, I have a background as, a, as an actor and I've had it, it, over time, you know, a lot of young people who are you know, 18, you know, coming to me and saying, oh, I want to be an actor. How do I go about doing it? And in the in, in the background, their parents would be there saying, no, try and talk about it. Try and talk about it. Get him to do a sensible job. And I never do. Because when you're 18, that's the time to pursue your dreams. And if it doesn't work out and you don't end up having the fantastically successful career as an actor or a musician or whatever it might be, you've got plenty of time to change tack. So I think that's a great tip. And, and, and just to add into that, we've got one here from one of our loyal listeners, Darren Cook. He says, don't have four kids. I love them and wouldn't be without them. But God, they are expensive. Uh, <laughs> ain't that the truth? <laughs> So what? Why don't I go next? There is a theme that I just kind of want wanted to double down on Chris's point. Um, I actually did do a degree that at the time I thought I loved, so I actually went down the route of doing something I enjoyed. I did sports science because I really enjoyed biology. I enjoyed the, the whole idea of um, the medicine around sports, uh, but I I quickly. I say quickly, after a couple of years, I didn't really enjoy it anymore. And my my message would be, that's okay. Don't put the pressure on yourself that if you what you love and what you do will change. And I think you just said, David, that that will happen. So even going through Chris's point of finding something you love and doing it, it's then okay for that love to diminish a bit because something will appear. And actually it was the opposite for me. I actually did something I love and then found something like um, finance that I really enjoyed. So whichever way around it is, don't put pressure on yourself. If you go and do a degree, give it your best shot. You will learn so many techniques to make you better in whatever career you do. I would definitely suggest do the thing you love rather than just focusing on the career element. But don't be panicked if your love for that subject diminishes a bit because there are so many avenues that are opened up by you going through that route. And, and it I, happened for me. Yeah, that's great, Tom. The other thing I would add to that as well, and this might be slightly controversial, is that actually if you can't think of anything you want to study at university, guess what? Don't go to university. Quite. You know, I, I think there are so many people now, you know, when I was at university back in the 70s, you know, I think it was 8% of people went to university. It's now 50%. And, and, and there aren't, I'm afraid, jobs for all of those people that match the qualifications that they've got. So, you know, think carefully. If you're not ready to go to uni and just spend three years racking up debt and getting drunk and taking drugs, well, don't go. Do something else instead. Can I, can I just do a bit of a plug for our profession? Because we need, we need young blood coming through all the time. Um, you don't need a degree to get into financial planning. It's It's very much a vocational study you will do lots of exams and lots of technical learning that will be two degree level but if you go go and speak to a financial planning company go and do some work experience in the summer go do an internship or, or whatever whatever is on off and just try and experience different companies and see actually could i do it by going straight into the workplace because i think you're right david just blindly going along with what everybody else is doing is another is a, is a good tip for an 18 year old to think about well, we could talk about this all day, but we, we, we need to move on. Uh, so let's have another one of our tips from listeners. Uh, quite a few of our listeners clearly regret not saving more when they were younger. And I think they're best summed up by, by this from Annie Shaw. Never put off saving until tomorrow what you could save today. I think that's very good advice. And certainly that's one that I could have applied to my 18-year-old self Uh but uh, which so let's move on to my my tip actually. So my eighteen year old self was in a 
yeah, a different era to yours, Tom, as we've previously discussed. And and I guess the tip I would give to myself is is work harder. Uh, and so even though we're talking about, um, you know, do something that's important to you, I think it's important that whatever you do, that you work hard at it. And I have to confess that when I was 18, and indeed prior to that, when I was at school, I was quite lazy. I did not work hard. I rather hoped that things would sort of come and fall on my plate. Uh, and sometimes they did. But interestingly enough, I remember my dad saying to me, Dave, he said, I don't know what it is about you. He said, but whenever your back's against the wall, something always turns up. And actually, the truth of it is that what happened was I, I used to be quite lazy, so I would let things slide and I'd get myself in a bit of a mess and then I'd go, oh, God, I need to do something about this. And I would work very, very hard to change the situation and get myself out of it. So the one tip that I would give to myself, so it wasn't luck, it was actually about hard work. So the one tip I would give to my 18-year-old self is work harder. I think that's great advice, David, and I think every 80-year-old, when we look back, can probably take that one on board. I know, yeah. I know, Easy, easier said than done, and I can, I can see myself in that. Um, my my wife is a teacher, and she says, it, it, teenage boys in particular, it's hard for them to to be motivated, they mature a lot later, and, and I look at you know, I did all right academically, uh, did I really push myself as much as I could have? No, did that close certain doors I don't know you know I'm here here now but certainly when for whatever reason started working really hard when I found a you know something that I really enjoyed with regards to the career it, it's amazing how hard work and knuckling down and how quickly you can move through and 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 rise rise through the ranks for the want of a better phrase um by just knuckling down and really applying yourself and imagine if you do that four or five years earlier could get to where you want to get to just that little bit quicker so yeah good good bit of advice yeah i mean i spent large parts of my 20s not working very hard and interestingly enough it was only, my career only took off when i started to work harder anyway we must move on so our next listener tip is from paula white and it's about the balance between saving and spending and paula says don't let all the bad things that might happen frighten you and remember it's okay to spend a little to enjoy the present day. So that's good advice there. Right, Chris, what's your second tip? Well, my second tip might surprise you a little, actually. It is related to what Paul has just said. My tip to my 18-year-old self is that gambling is a total and utter waste of money. Uh, well, uh, I would have to agree with you on that one. So uh, were you a gambler then at 18? Uh, nothing serious, only fruit machines in the pub and some Saturday football betting. But if I think back and weigh up the enjoyment that, for example, playing fruit machines gave me, minus the guilt I felt at wasting money in that way, it was definitely a net reduction in my well-being. Now, for those 18-year-olds, they might not even know what a fruit machine is, of course. I'm aware of that because you don't tend to get them in pubs. Um, and these days, of course, it's so much easier to do the same sort of thing just on your phone and online. Um, and gambling is a real problem. Uh, the recent um, James Bond film, the very final advert that came on just before the James Bond film, which is a 12A, was an advert for gambling. The advertising for gambling is everywhere. And it's a real problem. And when I look back, I, I had two addictions as a, as a young man, I guess. One was gambling. Pleased to say I kicked that a long time ago, my mid-20s. The other addiction was buying records. Equally pleased that I still afflicted by that particular addiction because collecting, listening to music has given me huge joy in life. So I guess that's another thing I tell my 18-year-old self to carry on doing, buying records. So I suppose the tip really is all about one of our five pillars of financial well-being, which is control of daily finances. Think about your spending 
and whether it is really bringing you joy. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that, Chris. Very, very good advice to your 18-year-old self. You go back and listen to yourself, young man. (laughs) Right, another one from our listeners now, from uh, Matt Aitchison. And Matt says, you will only remember experiences, not the tat you buy. Now, we've talked a lot about this on the podcast over the years. And so, yeah, I would echo that absolutely. And we've all got tat tucked away somewhere where we look at it, we think, why did I buy that? But you never forget. You know, I will never forget having gone whitewater rafting on the Colorado River, climbing to Everest Base Camp, being up in a hot air balloon. Those are the things that stick with you, not that pointless bit of hi-fi that you bought and never used. I think a big big up for Matt, though, because I don't think we've used the word tat on this podcast before. <laughs> I can't believe it. We should, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Great word. Pomo, over to you. Uh, yeah, my turn. This one, but perhaps something I've not ever learned um, because my dear wife is amazing at this, Learn how to meal plan and cook. I mean, there's so much to this. There is, number one, it is far more cost-effective way, certainly if you're a student, certainly if you're, well, anyone who's starting out a career, you don't start earning lots. Learn how to meal plan. It's far cheaper and learning how to cook rather than getting takeaways, rather than going out for meals. There's nothing wrong with going out with friends, it's experiences and going out for a meal. But I used to find that I was often in the Tesco's Metro every evening trying to figure out what I was going to eat. And it's just tiresome, to be honest with you, and not very cost-effective. So there you go. When your mother is telling you or your father is telling you, right, this is how to cook a chef's pie, listen to them. I wish I had. Yeah, that's very good advice. Um, uh, I've got three uh, three brothers and I was the, the second one. So I think I was the daughter that my mother never had. (laughs) <laughs> so she used to teach me all of the things. She tried to teach me how to knit. Uh, and she certainly, as I was going through my teens, taught me how to cook. And that stood me in very good stead. Later. So I, I, I actually, um, and, and by the way, we've been to your house, David. You are an excellent cook. And I say that in the hope that you'll invite us again very soon because you're <laughs> such a good cook. To paraphrase one of the most popular books when I was 18, uh, uh, just a slight um, addition to what you said, Tomo, that 18-year-olds should discover the joy of soup. I love making soup and you can make it in batches, stick it in portions and stick it in the freezer. So almost every day my lunch is a soup that I made a huge batch of sometime over the last few weeks. It's cheap, it's efficient, very nutritious, and it just makes lunch times so easy. So the joy of soup. Very good. We're getting on to home economics now. So let's move swiftly on to uh, our next listener tip, Martha Lawton from the excellent Squanderlust podcast. And she says quite simply, quality over quantity in everything. Well, difficult to follow that, but I'll do my best. And (laughs) and so my next tip is don't get into debt. Now, this is kind of slightly linked with my first tip, really, because I didn't work very hard and was a little bit lazy. I wasn't terribly good with money when I was younger. It came and it went very, very quickly. I didn't really understand the concept of saving. Uh, Everything was about the present. And uh, if I didn't have any money and I needed something, I would get into debt. I would borrow it from a dad. I'd borrow it from friends. And that got me into one or two situations which I, I seriously regret now. I remember borrowing money from a friend. It was either 20 quid or something, which was a lot of money in those days. And then actually realizing, you know, I couldn't pay him back as quickly as I thought I would be able to. And that definitely got in the way of our friendship. And so I think that whole notion about learning to live within your means is something that I would go back and, and really tell my 18-year-old self, don't get into debt. 
amen from me. The ease with which we can get credit cards these days is terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, so agree. Right, so the next listener tip from Ed Dimmott. He says, don't get a credit card. Actually, it's linked in exactly with what we've just been talking about. Don't get a credit card. Even though I didn't have any money at university, says Ed, it was so easy to get credit. This was 25 years ago. It's even worse now. And listener Karen Wake agrees. She says, it's not credit, it's debt. And it absolutely is. And I know, again, in the past, I've run up huge credit card debt. And, and then you suddenly get some money and you pay it off and you go, oh, that's just money's all gone now. So although I still have a credit card, I never use it. Uh, you know, that means I, I don't actually have a credit card and I can't hire a car. Because you have to have a credit card in order to be a higher car, all the big car hire companies. Isn't that bonkers? Mm. For my third tip, I'd like to borrow from a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Uh, Bronnie Ware is the author. It's an amazing book. She was a palliative care nurse and wrote the book, amazing book, about her experiences with people talking about and reflecting on their lives. I know it sounds it could be quite a depressing book, but it isn't. It's hugely uplifting and wonderful. And um, the fifth of those five regrets is the one I want to share with my 18-year-old self, which is this. I wish I had let myself be happier. Now, I know this isn't a financial tip per se, but if there's one thing we've learned through the five years or more of doing these podcasts is that leading a fulfilling life, finding happiness and money are all inextricably linked. I'd been a bit of a difficult child when I was little, and my family teased me about it for many years, leading to me having huge self-doubt. So if I could speak to my 18-year-old self, I would tell me to be more compassionate to myself and to allow myself to be happy. Oh, Chris, that's very touching, actually. I think that's because I think that is great advice. But because when you're 18, it's very difficult sometimes to work out what it is that, that makes you happy. And, and, and that's exactly why, I guess, with the, the benefits of our great collective wisdom, we're trying to pass some of that on. But yeah, that is great advice. Tom, anything to add to that? No, I think it's been summarised perfectly by you two. Yeah, great advice. Next listener, Brendan Frazier. We've got a lot of listeners, haven't we? I hadn't realised that this many people listen to the podcast. (laughs) six. (laughs) (laughs) So Brendan hosts an advisor podcast called The Human Side of Money. And Brendan's tip is focus less on accumulating money, focus more on how you allocate it. I I just want to jump in there because that's a great, turn of phrase, I think, how you allocate it. We talk in investment terms about asset allocation, which is all about spreading risk and diversification. So you have different asset classes, so some stocks and shares in different geographical locations, maybe some property and fixed interest, all this kind of similar approach to how you spend your money is a really good idea. So don't just, you know, plow all your money into one one particular area of, of happiness. Do lots of different things, which are really uh, can, can broadly give you happiness from lots of different places. I think that's a, a really good tip. We've got the five areas of well-being, which uh, I'm going to have to just quickly look at the back of the book to remind myself what they are. Career, social, financial, physical and community. And it's really important that it's the balance between those five areas is what brings us well-being. So if we're going to spend our money, spread it as an asset allocation around those five areas. So I really like that that way that Brendan has put that. Lovely. Let's have your final tip then, Tomo. Um, this is really dry. And because I'm a chartered financial planner and sometimes can be dry. 18-year-old self or that person who's going into work for the first time, make sure you do take up the company pension scheme. 
if you have the option to, people are automatically opted in now. You'll find if this is 18 year old listening, you will be opted into your pension scheme, which means it's set up automatically. Try to resist the urge to say no, to don't say no to that. But also have a look, see if there is any kind of generous matching system. And what that means is if you put a little bit more in, is your employer going to put a little bit more into the pension too? Now, this might feel very, very obscure as somebody who will be able to touch it for an awful long time. But by doing that now and creating that habit and not having that money to spend in your pocket is a really good habit to get into. And you'll be amazed how quickly that pension will grow, which will create options in the future, which is one of the pillars of financial well-being. Yep, spot on there, spot on there, Tomo. Right, now, old friend of the podcast, Chris Ankers, has given us some sage advice to his 18-year-old self. Chris says, during summer holidays, find work, even if it's unpaid, that gives you experience in your later career. Great. It goes into this point that I said about explore some careers so that you kind of know what, what what's out there. Go and, as I said, go and speak to some financial planning firms. If, if you're listening to this podcast and really want to get into this world, do what Chris has just said. Go and go and get stuck in. See what it's all about. Can I also yep. just actually add one little extra little, little wrinkle to that as well, which is be interested. Mm. The number of 18-year-olds I've seen doing work experience who just sit there because they're doing a boring job and therefore they get bored. I often find that people who get bored are, I suggest it can be quite boring people. If you're 18, go and be interested in as many things as you can, and you will start to find things that you want to actually then do as a job. So just be interested. If you're doing a job, find the things in that job that's interesting. I did a temping job at a company called Sun Life, and I remember doing the photocopying because that was what you did, you know, as as a student temp. And somebody came up to give me some more photocopy, and I said, what is this? I just kind of read the piece. Well, well, actually, and they started to tell me. And they looked at me and said, why do you want to know that? Just do the photocopying. But that got, I was interested. And so, yeah, that's another tip I would perhaps just chuck in. Excellent. Okay. Now we're going to move on to my final tip. And when I was 18, my dad and I was just about to leave school. You know, I was toying between going to college or getting a job. My dad said, oh, get yourself a pension. Tuck your money away. Exactly what Tom has just said. Well, of course, I wasn't going to listen to him, A, because he was my dad, and B, because I was 18 and I knew absolutely <laughs> everything. So there was no way I was going to do that. If I had money, I was going to spend it. So, in fact, my advice to my 18-year-old self is to do somewhere half between the two. If you have a windfall, you get a little bit of money, maybe a relative leaves you some or you, you one of your bets comes in, save half of it, You know, either putting it away in a savings account or putting it in a pension, and blow the rest and have a really, really good time. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, we've got to we've got to encourage a bit of happy spending as well as saving. We don't want to be yeah, boring, do we? The the balance. Uh, it's always about balance, isn't it? But of course, when you're 18, you don't necessarily see that. Well, I certainly didn't. Right. Rebecca Tuck gives us this next tip. And I think this is a great one. An overdraft isn't free money. The bank will want it back. <laughs> and <laughs> we've not only there, will they want we? it. Not only will they want it back, but they'll take money off you while while you've got it. So they'll want it back and they'll want an extra bit back. Well, this well. is a really good point. Actually, a lot of, well, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but when I was a student, they would give you an interest-free overdraft, a quite a generous one, and it'd probably give you a free rail pass as well to, to, to sweeten the deal. That's all well and good when you're in university. This is a student account. As soon as you finish university, that interest-free starts to turn into an interest-bearing overdraft. So all of a sudden you find yourself, oh, I had this free money. And as 
Rebecca said, they then want it back and you find yourself paying an awful lot of interest and you've got to dig yourself out of a bit of, bit of a hole. When I when I was a student, I opened my first bank account. I got a free five pound EMI record token, <laughs> and it all started from there. Do you know what? I'm still with that same bank now, so it worked. Oh, I certainly did. I've changed banks loads of times, actually. I don't know why, but I have. Anyway, listen, this has been really fascinating stuff. That's our tips and lots from our listeners. Loads of great advice for 18-year-olds from old geezers who've made all the mistakes so that they don't need to. I bet the number of 18-year-olds who listen to this podcast is probably zero. But if you know one who you think might benefit, by all means, point them in the right direction. Now, keen-eared listeners, however, will have noticed that the title of this episode of the podcast is 10 Tips for the Young, but we've only given nine. What, pray tell, Christopher, is the 10th? Oh, that word, Christopher. I've only ever called that when I've done something wrong for my mum. <laughs> the 10th the tip, David, does, I hope, encapsulate everything we've been talking about on this podcast for 10 years. It's something I wish every 18-year-old out there would take heed of, and it's this. Work out what you want from life and spend your money on that. Ah, the perennial but very, very wise favourite. <laughs> it's so true. The things that make us happy are social relationships. For example, another of the top five regrets of the dying is, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. So our last tip is to realise it's compassion and self-compassion and friendship which brings well-being. So focus your money on fostering that. I cannot add anything to that. I've really enjoyed this podcast, really enjoyed chatting to you guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it at home and that you'll join us again next time we do another one of our financial wellbeing podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.